Good morning. Welcome. Good to see each of you here. A couple of announcements before we get started. Vacation Bible School starts tonight in the Family Life Center at 6 o'clock. Annual conference begins today in Florence at 5 o'clock. Y'all pray for me. Mark your calendars for June the 30th, which is the fifth Sunday. We'll have a combined service at 10 o'clock in the Family Life Center. Then we go to Lake. That's Lake Day, so we'll be going to the lake for lunch that day and afternoon fun. So make sure you mark your calendar for June the 30th. That's all the announcements I have. Let us begin our worship together. The Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Lord, we come here from tiring weeks, from hectic days and lonely times, from happy experiences and pleasing results, from all different types of lives. We come seeking forgiveness, seeking friendship, comfort, knowledge, solitude, or perhaps we come without reason. We're here to sing, to listen, to talk, to love, and to be loved. For whatever reason we find ourselves here, Lord, may we be open to you and to others around us so that we may experience your love and will. Amen. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the seated. And we let our family come forward for baptism. And John, if you'll come up here, right here. Which one of y'all want to get right here to start with? And if the congregation would follow along with the liturgy. The church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship, the due administration of God's word and sacraments, the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers, and the conversion of the world. All of every age and station stand in need of the means of grace which it alone supplies. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And so these parents are answering for this child until this child goes through confirmation and answers for herself. Do you, in presenting this child for holy baptism, reject all that is evil, repent of your sin, and accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ is open to people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? To the congregation, I asked you, as Christ's body, the church, will you reaffirm both your rejection of sin and of your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life, include this person now before you in your care, and, sur and surround her with a community of love and forgiveness? Let us pray. Eternal Father, your mighty acts of salvation have been known through water. And from the moving of your spirit upon the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And Jesus called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hold that for me just like that. Scarlett Carolyn Eddy, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Those who've been baptized into Christ's holy church are welcomed into this congregation of the United Methodist Church. 
This child is now a preparatory member. Members of the household of God, I commend this child to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase her faith, confirm her hope, and perfect her in love. Let us pray. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, grant that this child, as she grows in years, may also grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that by the restraining and renewing influence of the Holy Spirit, she may ever be a true child of thine, serving thee faithfully all her days. So guide and uphold the parents and sponsors of this child, that by loving care, wise counsel, and holy example, they may lead her into that life of faith whose strength is righteousness, and whose fruit is everlasting joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bless, preserve, and keep you, Scarlet, now and forever. Amen. Well, she's doing so good, I'll walk her. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You see? And now if our children will come forward for our children's time. everybody. I have something to give you this morning. I think you already saw what it was. Okay, let me pass these out. For now, just hold on to them. Now, you know what I'm going to give you two. Just hold on to them for right now. I'm passing out what? What am I passing out? Kisses. Hershey kisses. Do y'all like these? Yeah, we like you do? <laughs> me too. Julia, will you kind of help me pass them behind you? You do? Well, this morning with these two Hershey Kisses that I'm giving you, okay, is that everybody? Um, you can do a couple things. You can keep them for yourself, um, or you can go share them with somebody. We're just going to take a minute, let you think about it, make your decision. And, and see what you want to do. So if you would like to give it to somebody, go ahead and do that now. If you want to hold on to them, then you just stay where you are. If you do go give them away, come back. Okay. Everybody can make their own choice. Okay. 
Okay, is everybody? Okay, okay. Let's get everybody back. Okay, so we had a lot of things that went on there. Some people just stay where they were and kept their kisses. And some people gave one away. I know, Sarah, you said you gave one away, right? And kept one. And some people have empty hands. So some people gave away both of them. So, Sarah, I'm going to give you another one. And who gave them all away? Okay. I'm going to give John four. And Sarah, did you give them all away? Oh, I'm sorry. Julia, what happened? I didn't see. You kept one and gave one. Okay, I'm going to give you another one. Emma, what would you do? And gave one, right? Here's another one. What would you do? Same thing. Kept one and gave one. Here's another one for you. Did you have to pay for those Hershey Kisses that you have in your hand? No. I paid for them, didn't I? And then I gave them to you. Just freely gave them to you, right? And then when you gave them away, the same thing happened, right? They didn't pay you for it. You just freely gave it away to them, right? Well, I, th I think that we can, these are just pieces of candy, obviously, but I think we can think about this in an even bigger way. Sometimes a kiss is a way we show somebody that we love them. Like, I love giving Duncan kisses, and I still love getting kisses from my parents. Do y'all feel the same way? Yeah? But even bigger than that, I think these kisses can represent God's love. Do we have to pay for God's love? No, he just freely gives that to us, right? And what happens if we take the love that we have of God in our heart and give it away? Does that mean we don't have any? Or do we get even more in return? It's kind of like the kisses, the ones who gave some away. I gave you one back, right? So you still have more than you started with. And the ones who came back with empty hands and had given all their kisses away, I gave them four so you have that much more love in your hand. Does that kind of make sense? Okay, you can eat. You can eat them when you leave. If your parents say it's okay. Um, so I, I do have enough kisses for everybody to take a couple more, so that it's fair this morning. But when you when you eat these kisses, or when you share them, or you see them at home, I hope you'll remember that when we have that love of God in our heart, and it makes us happy. When we give it away, we're going to get even more in return, and it's going to make our hearts even fuller, and it's going to make us even happier. Do you think that's a good reminder that we can keep with us? Will you repeat the prayer after me this morning? Dear Jesus, thank you for freely giving your love to us. Help us to remember that you have told us to share it with others. Amen. If you want a few more. Jesus was on pages 980 and 981 in your pew Bibles, Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirits depart, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. 
the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Let us bow our heads for a time of prayer. O Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. O God, you are our help in every trouble and our hope for the future. Receive now our songs of praise and thanksgiving and bless all those who seek to be in your presence. We're reminded this day that the revelation of your truth has come to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. You have set us apart and called us by your grace to live a, a new life, a new life that he has won for us. Time and time you have provided for our needs, whether it be food for our bodies or companionship along the way. And yet we must confess this day, O oh God, that we do not act like chosen people. We do not live thankfully in light of your gifts. We blame you when things do not go our way. So this day, O oh Lord, we pray that you'd have mercy upon us, that you'd raise us up once more from our sinful selves, that we might offer a right thanksgiving. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would reveal your will in ways that we can perceive and understand and, and be partners with you in spreading the gospel throughout our land. Through the work and witness of Jesus, we know that you do not desire for us to suffer. And so we proclaim this day that you would desire for all persons, and those who on our prayer list especially, and for others that we name now, that you would pray, that we would pray, O oh Lord, that your guidance would make them whole, that you'd inspire and guide physicians and others who care for them, that you'd raise into newness of life those who may have lost hope, and you'd visit those who are alone and comfort all who mourn. You alone are faithful. We pray this day that you'd fulfill our desires because we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
Please be seated. Just in case you don't know, Jessica, you know this got is getting. This is her week marriage weekend, so that's why she's not here. And a number of choir members, I think, are down there with her. We wish her well. She will return. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia these words, chapter one, verse eleven. Give attention to the Word of God. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life, how intensely I persecuted the church and tried to destroy it. I was advancing beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing you is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard this report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for St. Paul's conversion from Saul to Paul and to the great witness to the church that he became after that complete conversion, after that change in his life's direction. And we pray, O oh Lord, this day that we'd understand that you, you require and expect of us changes in direction. You expect us to move forward in the world that you want us to create for you, to transform in your image. And so we pray, O oh Lord, that you'd guide us by the power of the Holy Spirit as we seek to understand. We pray in your name. Amen. You know, there was a, fa- a woman who bought a piece of needlework at a craft fair. And on it was stitched these words, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Proud of her handiwork, she hung it above the fireplace in the family room. And several days later, she noticed that it was missing. So she asked her husband if he knew what had happened to it. And he said, yes, I removed it. She said, you removed it? Don't you believe that prayer changes things? And he responded, yes, I do. I believe in prayer, and I believe prayer changes things. I just don't like change, so I took it down. You see, the thing is, is that we don't like change. People do not like change, and yet if it wasn't for change, we would not have babies, and babies wouldn't grow up into young ladies, and young ladies wouldn't grow up and get married and have other babies. Things have to change. It's part of life. It's the great part of the circle of life. And the thing is, is oftentimes people are in, th- in situations when they really need to change, and oftentimes they still won't change, and that really befuddles me. For example, uh, how many times have you heard of or seen of fa- uh, people in relationships, and in that relationship, they, it just deteriorates and deteriorates because they refuse to seek counseling? It's like they'd rather lose their relationship than to change. How many times have you heard of people caught in some type of addiction uh, who feel desperate about their lives and yet they still won't seek to help the change that's required for them to, to throw this off? There's no doubt change is difficult and most of us resist it. Even when it's in our best interest, we resist it. And that's what befuddles me. 
Let me give you an example of something that was invented back in the 1800s. It's called a typewriter. Now, no, most people, I doubt anybody in here still has a typewriter. You, you still use, though, the same keyboard that was invented for that first typewriter. And if, you've not, and if you haven't noticed, you need to notice that the most frequently used keys are located the furthest apart. Now, the reason this is, is because it was done that way to slow down the typing speed. Keys on machines of the 1800s, when typewriters were first invented, they would jam if the typist went so fast. So that's what you're still using, is a keyboard that was created to slow you down. And yet, many, many years ago, someone invented a new keyboard, uh, one that would increase the speed up to five times without an increase in errors. And do you think we use that keyboard? No. Why don't we use that keyboard? Because people are resistant to change. The thing is, is that sometimes people become so rigid about change that they won't change even when the facts are in total opposition. Some people just can't change the original thought, the original message that they give themselves. And it remains the same even in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Change is difficult, but it is possible. And St. Paul is the best evidence of that that we have in our scriptures. He had been a fierce persecutor of the faith in the early Christian church. And yet he became its most eloquent spokesperson. And this story of conversion, this story of going in one direction and changing and going into to another, has been retold throughout history as an example that people can and do change. Now for this to happen in your life, and everybody has something that you need to change, everybody has something that needs to change in your life. There's a natural progression for change. First of all, most change occurs when it becomes too painful to remain as you are. You see, we will wait until it's absolutely the most painful thing is not to change. We'll wait till it becomes too painful not to change before we'll change. How many times have you seen people who had medical emergencies and then it really changed their lifestyle? You see, most people will not even attempt change unless staying the way they are is more painful. This occurs sometimes within, within churches. Uh, oftentimes it occurs when a church dwindles down to just a few people coming before they'll realize that they have been resisting the very change that would help God help them to grow again. The second thing, the second natural progression is this. If you can change if you have a vision of something better. We can change when we have a vision of something better. Those who study human behavior tell us that something called visualization is a powerful tool for people who want to change. If you can see yourself, for example, for example, as slender, then you can probably become slender if you visualize that and work towards that. If you can see yourself as successful, that picture will guide you towards making better choices. Now, there's limits to this. Uh, you know, as much as I'd like to, I can't visualize myself six feet tall and lots of hair. I can't do that. So there's a limit to this visualization. But still, if we see ourselves as, as might God would see us, or if we would see ourselves the way God created us to be, that can motivate us to change. That's why every follower of Jesus ought to have a picture of Jesus in mind. And I'm not talking about a picture of his appearance. I'm talking about a picture of Jesus as he is, as he was, and he still is. His gentleness, for example, or his patience, or his acceptance of people, or his willingness to stand up for his conviction, his willingness to serve, his willingness to lay down his life for others. You see, having this picture of Christ Jesus as uh, something that you can visualize that you'd like to be more like Jesus Christ, that's a good way to effect change. And I believe it's caused millions of people 
to rise to new levels of humanity simply by saying, I want to be like Jesus. Y'all remember that old spiritual hymn? It would go that way. It'd say, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. You see, that's the key to changing whatever it is you want to change in your life. Is I want to be like Jesus. Jesus encountered most everything we've ever encountered. His reaction to most everything. In the Bible, the scriptures have answers to almost every issue. So if we want to change and improve our life, and I think most people do, or we wouldn't have so many self-help groups, uh, so many uh, books written about it, we can change if we have a mental image of the kind of person God has created us to be. We can change if we have, a, have this mental image. But most of all, the way change occurs in our individual lives is that we have to surrender our will. We have to surrender our will to God. We have to submit our will under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's the important thing about St. Paul's life is that he became totally surrendered to the will of God. And his conversion was complete. It wasn't just some New Year's Eve resolution, okay, that didn't last very long, or some naive desire to just, oh, I'm just going to do better tomorrow or the next day or the next. It, it was a complete conversion, a complete conversion. And it was unconditional surrender to God. He didn't go check with anybody to see if it, what had happened. He realized what had happened to himself. And that's really the way complete change occurs. Uh, one of the late bishops of our church once said that he had seen many people leave uh, loved ones and friends and homes and businesses and prospects and go to other lands to, and to, to try to help people in, in, on mission fields. And when they finally got there, they realized that they'd given up everything except self. Self was still there, being assertive and jealous of its place and honor. Uh, the greatest battle any of us undertake is the battle with self. Ourself. It's a war between ourself and the Lordship of, the, of Christ. But friends, there's really no way to surrender and become under the will of God except to surrender. Uh, to surrender your will to God's will. And this is something that has to occur daily. It can't occur once and you're done with it you never think about it again it's a daily walk with the lord it's a daily getting up in the morning and saying whether i'm going to school or work or play how am i going to act today how would christ want me to act how can i affect other people for good and and how can i change myself so that others will change for the better it reminded me though this idea of, of every day you have to work at it. It reminded me of, of a story of a, a young uh, lady who was struggling with her high school English assignment. She was supposed to write a poem and she spent uh, a few hours working on it and finally this is the poem she wrote. Although three hours it cost, I'm still not Robert Frost. Which tells you right there that this is the way we look at so many things. We go, yeah, I'm going to do this. And we do it for about three hours or three days or maybe even three months, and then we fall off the bandwagon. Change doesn't come in a short period of time. Change is something that is the byproduct of a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong commitment to every day get up and submit your will under Christ's lordship. And this change involves Lots of wonderful things, I, I, and this is the point that you've got to realize is that without change, think about, just think about it for a minute, uh, without some change, you wouldn't have brought these wonderful kids in to the church, would you? You had to have change to bring those kids into the world. Without change, those kids won't grow up, will they, and be the, kid, and be the adults we want them to be. Change is really not such a bad thing. The scientists tell us that our bodies actually undergo change about seven complete times in a lifetime. So that the, and so that the person that's standing in front of you here, I'm, about, I'm probably on my about fifth, fifth one, my fifth body. And if it wasn't for the change, 
things would never occur that are positive in your life and other people's lives. So remember that change is about moving from the world of darkness to light. It's about moving from despair to hope. It's about moving from the death that we're in in this life to the life promised to us. I will have to tell you, though, that sometimes I feel a little bit like the umpires must have felt like when they faced Earl Weaver. Earl Weaver was the manager of the Baltimore Orioles. And after some calls that were made, he would often charge up to the umpires and he'd shout, are you going to get any better or is this it? And I think sometimes that that's, I could just, I believe that God, if it's not God, it's my mother or my wife or my daughter shouting at me going, are you going to get any better or is this it? Maybe God is asking all of us that question. And maybe we, that's the question we should ask ourselves. Are we going to change or is this it? Are we going to become the disciples God wants us to be? Everyone has something in their life that needs to change, me included. As I told a person coming out of the first service, they said, that sermon just hit me. That's exactly what's going on in my life. I need to change. And I said, me too. I'm a preacher that needs to hear it myself. We need to change. There's things that need to change. But friends, you can change. You can change for the better. And you can become those disciples Christ wants you to be in your individual life, in your personal life, and in your corporate worship life. The key is to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Surrender your will to Christ's will. And remember that prayer changes things. Amen. Let us stand and sing. Our closing hymn is 140. 140.
May you always know the blessings of the God we know, the God we know is creator, redeemer, and sustainer, the almighty, eternal, triune God, one God now and forevermore. Amen.